Welcome everyone to the Courageous Truth Podcast. As always, I am honored and excited and blessed that you have chosen to spend a little bit of time with me today. Thank you for your positive response on my last episode regarding how we should respond to this UFO phenomenon or distraction or trickery or whatever it is. I appreciate everyone's wonderful feedback from that. Today I want to talk about, this has been on my mind a lot, really over the last week, and that's just, should a Christian engage in politics? And this is a massive debate that goes on throughout the church, throughout the communities, for believers and non-believers alike, is should we who follow Jesus be engaged in politics, which is such a dark and corrupt system of men? And I think that we need to take on the right perspective, the biblical perspective first. As always, this podcast exists to allow us to build and serve us as we build a biblical worldview on culture, on society, on current events, on things that are happening around us. I want to start by reading a scripture, as I always do, out of Isaiah chapter 9. Many of you will know this verse if you're not familiar with the Bible or the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet, and he prophesied about many things, but one thing he prophesied about a few different times during his ministry was about Jesus. And I'm going to read out of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and I'm going to read all the way down through verse 7. So just two verses. This is his prophecy about the coming Messiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do that. This is a beautiful prophetic picture of the coming Messiah obviously to die for our sins, but a greater look at his ministry is to come and establish a righteous and just government on the earth. Now, when we think about politics, we can't, as Americans anyway, I don't know what it's like. I know we've got listeners. Welcome from Sweden. I was so excited to see some viewers tuning in from Sweden, and I hope you get something out of this little American podcast. But here in America, when we, we politics is synonymous with government, and all politics really is is public relations uh, in, in a few more words than that. How do we relate publicly to our communities and around us? Now, government was God's idea. God wanted to establish a government system where man governed the earth and God governed man. He established a righteous government. And then we see, of course, as we read through the book of Genesis, how that government was polluted, destroyed, and perverted. 
because our relationship with the one who was to govern us righteously was broken. And so we see this prophecy from Isaiah, and we see not only that there is a Messiah coming to redeem our personal sin, to redeem us back to the Father and give us the gift of eternal life through him and him alone, but also the establishing of righteous government and righteous justice. So when we think about politics and we think about the question, should a believer, should anybody be engaging in politics? And I believe that Christians should always engage in something that Jesus died for. Jesus didn't die for politics. He died for man. Jesus died for the men that make up politics and women. I'm not being exclusive. Jesus died to redeem mankind to himself. Now, the problem, especially with American politics and the global elite politics, is they have set themselves up as God. They do not want to be accountable to God and they don't want to be accountable to man. God is saying... Government was my idea that man would govern one another righteously with justice, that we would serve one another for the betterment of our communities, the betterment of our families, the betterment of our homes. But government has begun corrupted by the sin and lust of mankind, mainly around money and power, and now has become one of the most darkest entities or darkest organizations in human history, especially the American government because of the lust of power and the lust of money. And so I want to just continue in on this question is should a Christian engage in politics? Like I said before, we should always engage in things that are redeemable. We should always engage in things that are redeemable and take a righteous stand for the truth of how God created it to be. And I think that we have done a disservice, especially as the church, because we have allowed the lie to creep in that says we should not engage in politics. Now, we should not engage in the political culture as it is, because it is a sinful culture, but we should engage in as much as brings righteousness. And there will be a conflict be seen between sin and righteousness, but we need to take a stand. But when we start to participate in that corruption, that's when we need to pull out. Joseph, if you read the story of Joseph, Joseph was a amazing, influential governor leader, one of the most powerful governing leaders in human history that saved in so many ways, saved mankind from starvation and famine because he ruled righteously with wisdom. And you see how he saved Egypt and the surrounding nations from famine. You can read about that in Genesis 40 through 50. I, I don't have my Bible open, but those are the chapters. So, should a Christian be engaged in politics? Absolutely, we should. We should vote. We should speak our mind. But we should not allow the political culture to dictate our behavior. Should we protest? I believe we should. And you can be respectful. You can be honoring and have your voice heard. And we should lead in that way because we have a moral obligation to our God to be a righteous witness to our communities in any way we should. We can see how people take, and we just we saw it in 2020 with the George Floyd riots, people were making their voices heard in unrighteous and sinful and lustful ways. You know, and I, I, I as I continue to think about this, I, I think about how we have in so many ways, 
disengaged and stood take took a step back from our governmental responsibilities. And in 2020, at least in America, in the American church, this question arose. And it that that question that arose came is are we required by the Bible to submit to governing authorities regardless of what they ask. Now, I would say, I believe by scripture, we have a civic duty to support governing authorities. But when they ask us to do things that are unrighteous, that are irreverent, and that are that go against the basis of any kind of common sense, we owe an obligation to our communities to stand back against them. We see civil disobedience in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see that civil disobedience. And sometimes, yes, there is consequences. We look at it all throughout the book of Daniel. We look at it in the book of Acts. Paul was civilly disobedient against the Roman rule that he was called to serve because he was a Roman. We see it all throughout scripture. Now, there's a difference between civil disobedience, righteously, and rebellion. Rebellion is just going against something I don't like. I don't like this law, so I'm going to break it. Okay, does that law contradict the law of scriptures? If it doesn't, then we have a civil dis- we have a civil responsibility just as citizens of our community to uphold that law for the safety and security of everyone around us. Not every law goes against the law of God. But if you look at Anne Frank, who was hiding Jews in her house, a lot of people will say, well, she was lying to governing authorities. Well, good. <laughs> good. Because that lie had a righteous end. That lie was not to deceive for personal gain, but to protect the lives of innocent people. So she needed to stand against the governing authorities. And I believe that God honored that decision. Okay. That's not a lie for personal gain. That's not a lie to feed our own lust. That was a, okay, if you want to call it a lie, it was a lie to protect a greater good, a greater righteousness, and that is life, an innocent life at that. When we look at Romans 13, we we, we see that that was one of the, in fact, in Romans 13, that was one of the, uh, the, the biggest debates. Should we, should we as Christians follow blindly the rules of government. And I want to clip, play a clip from John MacArthur. I'm going to play it right now. And I want you to listen to his take, and then I'm going to, to comment on this clip because I think it really helps us to understand what this passage is trying to say. And it's not, this is not the twisting of Scripture. You understand that the interpret that Scripture interprets Scripture. So in so many ways, this is really just confirming other parts of scripture. So I want you to take a listen to this clip right now. I'm going to play it and then I'm going to offer a few final thoughts. Listen carefully to what the Apostle Paul said. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. 
Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it doesn't bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. The role of the government is to restrain evil. And when it functions to restrain evil, it is fulfilling its God-ordained purpose. Please notice in verses 1 and 2 that government is from God, by God, of God. It is designed as a necessary restraint in a world of sinners. Verses 3 and 4 tell us it is not a threat to those whose behavior is good, but evil. It is those who do evil who should be afraid, not those who do good. In fact, it offers praise to those who do good and brings wrath on those who do evil. As we look at this passage again, we see that government, politics, the relating of the pub in the public square, the relating to governing officials was designed by God. And, and Jesus is one who's going to come and redeem the government and make it righteous and make it actually what it needs to be. The governing officials that God creates are to serve the people for their well-being, not the government's own well-being, for the well-being of our communities and, and all the other reasons that I, I stated pre previously. So I want us to consider that, especially there is a lie that goes out into the, the, the church somewhere that the church should not engage in politics. I don't know who came up with that. I don't see that anywhere in scripture. If you know scripture, it just seems like a deterrent for us so that we don't have to take any responsibility for what's happening to our world. And we see now, especially in American politics, that politics is dictating morality. Politics is defining marriage. Politics is defining gender. Politics is defining wealth. Politics is defining race relations. Politics is defining cultural norms. Politics is, deciding, is defining righteousness. Politics is defining justice. And as they're defining those things, we have sinful men that have no accountability to God making those legislation decisions. And Christians need to, with their voice given to them by God under the anointing and power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit, speak into those spheres and create righteousness in these areas. And the longer we're quiet, the harder it's going to be. And if we're quiet a much longer, there's going to be no going back. Another lie that that is kind of along these lines is one who engages in the political sphere or in any kind of patriotism is a Christian national. I hate, hate, hate that word. Because I have never heard one person ever come forward and say, I am a Christian national. No, Christian nationalist is a derogatory word used by 
someone, sometimes in the church, sometimes in society, sometimes in the political sphere, to label someone and in so many ways calling them a heretic for saying they love their country. Now, let me say this. If you're not a, a, a church person, then you can just kind of sit back and listen to this. But I believe that we, as the church, we have no problem with people being celebratory about, and this is what really irks me, people celebrate passionately their football teams. If you come to any church, most like, not any church, but a lot of local churches, on a Sunday when the Seahawks play, people will be wearing their jerseys if they even show up. And if it's a morning game on the East Coast, people won't even come to church because they have created that time designated to watch their football games. Now, is there anything wrong with watching a football game or going to? Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. I enjoy football. I'm a baseball fan, but I enjoy football too. But what I'm saying is nobody dare speak out about that because it is so culturally acceptable. But yet someone engages in the political sphere for the good of themselves and their communities and their families, or they show any kind of patriotism for this beautiful nation that God entrusted us with, which we are allowing to be wasted away, then they are called a Christian nationalist. And it is a ridiculous term, and it is a term that is used to degrade and decredit anybody who shows any kind of support for America or American values or does anything in the political sphere that is not mainstream political jargon or political ideology. So if you're using that name for people, shame on you. Shame on you, especially if you're a Christian in the church using that name on other Christians, shame on you. I haven't, I haven't met any Christians, good Bible-believing Christians, that didn't love their nation because they first loved their God. God gave us this nation to pray for the prosperity of it, and he gave it to us so we could freely worship. That's like saying, that's like an Egyptian calling a, a Hebrew slave an Israelite nationalist because they didn't want to adhere to the cultural norms of Egypt, and they wanted to go out into their desert and worship their God. I mean, that's honestly what it's like. So I want to leave you with those thoughts. I want you to contemplate those thoughts. And, but I want, I, I, I want you to understand that Christians, in a righteous and just way, have every biblical responsibility to engage in politics in as much as their calendar and time and health allow and knowledge allow. If you don't understand politics, some people are not politically minded and they vote and that's it. But for those of you who are politically minded and might have a call from God to engage in politics, even run for office, we must, we can't give up. We cannot give the ruling of our nation over to evil men influenced by Satan. We cannot do it because it does affect the church. It does affect biblical values. So I'm going to leave you with that. I want you to consider those thoughts. I appreciate you taking the time to hear me out today. And I want you to consider Isaiah chapter 9. I want you to consider Romans 13 in your own studying, in your own contemplation. And I want you to continue to take a courageous stand for the truth. And always remember this. The truth will not always be popular. The truth will be painful. The truth will be an inconvenience 
but the truth will stand the test of time, and in fact, the truth will last into eternity. So God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Share it with your friends and family. Family, excuse me. Welcome to everyone who's listening all over the globe for giving this tiny little podcast a chance that I'm doing in my closet. So God bless you. Continue to take a courageous stand for the truth. We need righteous engagement in politics under the leading and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. God bless you all. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Courageous Truth Podcast. We live in a world that is in desperate need of courage and in desperate need of truth. Our prayer is that this podcast will equip and inspire you to live courageously for your family, your community, your God, and for your country. Be courageous in your stand for truth in a world that is completely abandoned. See you next time right here at the Courageous Truth Podcast. Remember, truth requires courage. <laughs>